Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. Hardwiring like a, like a vinyl, you know, like a, a turntable in your in your car. <laughs> yeah, this is true, yeah. Like the audio quality is superior. <laughs> it's like, no, get out of here. Just pl- plug in your... Yeah, so it's like, YouTube. at what point do we become those people, you know? Exactly. It's like, you know, this, the disc, this is the real way to play games. Like, you know, you could have just pressed the button. Hello and welcome to Inconceivable. I'm William, and today I'm joined by Alex Hi. Gordon. <laughs> you keep going back on if you're going to introduce yeah, us I or know. not. You can't so. switch it up on us like that. Yeah, I'm just like, crap. What is my name? <laughs> I don't know who I am anymore. Do you like being introduced, or do you rather introduce yourself? Uh, I, I kind of like introducing myself. Okay. Yeah, you know, people can hear from me. I just want to know what's happening. Yeah, I want to know ahead of time. You like to hear from the source that yes, no, I, I, you don't have to tell who I am. I am, in fact, Alex. Yeah, I can be confident in myself like that. But yeah, I do like to hear ahead of time a lot if something's going to happen or not. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen right now. We're going to be talking about the next generation of gaming. Um, Mostly, a lot of the the big changes that we've already seen implemented, and stuff that I believe is going to be really um, pushed harder on this next generation of gaming. The first thing I kind of want to touch on, which is something that's probably the most established out of the three main things I want to talk about, is how the Switch has really changed the game for portable gaming. Um, Nintendo has found a really good job of finding their own niche, since they can't really compete when it comes to hardware specs, mm-hmm. PlayStation, Xbox, um, and we've already known that their their main source of um, retention was their games. You know, they have so many first party games that people will buy a Nintendo console no matter what it is just for those games you know like Zelda Mario um, and Smash Brothers you know uh, those games are all like extremely popular and Nintendo would have to really mess up to not selling consoles just because of those games you know like people really like those games uh, I think they do get uh, a lot of I think a lot of their influence is due to their uh, first-party exclusives. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the flip side of that is that people are specifically not buying Nintendo products in order to play third-party games because third-party games typically are not on their consoles. Yeah. However, that is changing. The Switch has become so popular that it's now embracing a lot of third-party games. I think one of the more bigger recent announcements that we got just from E3 last week was um, that The Witcher 3 is going to be on there so all right that's a pretty intense game um and that's that's real big yeah very different from the regular nintendo stuff yeah exactly so the the unfortunate thing is that uh a lot of the bigger games that are coming to switch have already been out on other consoles for three or four years they are play catch up but i think that the way more than that yeah because i I think think skyrim came to oh like so yeah (laughs) like last how old is that game eight years old oh it's still being released in some way or another but um 
for the Switch, I think what it's doing is that it's creating this um, console that is just so convenient with its power. They found the perfect blend of where like people don't like phones to mm -hmm. do serious games with. Right. There's types of games that work very well on phones that wouldn't work on other consoles. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Switch has crafted this console that's a perfect blend of at-home gaming on the go, you know? Um, and they found a really seamless way to use that same console to play on your TV with just the dock. I think that's a brilliant system. It works really well. Um, you don't have to worry about any cables or random switching or stuff like that. You just drop it in, and then within seconds, it's automatically switched, and there's nothing to it. So yeah. it's fantastic. It's um, like it's called the Nintendo Switch for a reason. <laughs> uh, and then I just love how... It's also implemented a lot of local multiplayer push as well. They're like the detachable controllers, you know, right out of the box, you have two controllers basically, is what they're saying. It's like, hey, we, we've, we're really innovative with our controls. We can figure out how to use these little controllers so you can have two people on one screen. Uh, and then also they work well together. Uh, so if you have multiple switches, that works too, which is great because it reminds me of like, you know, um, the Game Boy days, you know, where you mm -hmm. get your friends. Yeah, linking game. all your yeah. game boys together, and, and I miss I you know I got I miss that stuff a lot, um, and it's really cool to see Nintendo really pushing, being honestly the biggest player, both deep local player right now. Yeah, um, everyone else. Uh, but again, I think there's a, a flip side of this in that their online offering is pretty abysmal. So like, they kind of <laughs> this have is to true. Push. They they don't really have a choice if they're going to have multiplayer games that almost has to be local. Yeah. But Absolutely. Being that as it may, uh, their their local multiplayer stuff is pretty spot on. When you're playing gaming, Alex, do you find yourself enjoying it mostly on the couch, or is there a lot of times where you wish you could take that game with you on the go? Um, no, I think I mostly enjoy just being on the couch while doing it. I'm I'm not much of a gamer, so a lot of stuff goes over my head. So I, I haven't even like really, really thought about playing games on the go, but I'll mm -hmm. see. Like I'll see kids playing Nintendo Switch while they're getting ready to like go. Like I remember, I was going on a on a trip on an airplane a couple months back, and I saw a kid on a Switch. And I'm just like, yeah, that's the way to be. Way yeah. to be, kid. <laughs> yeah. If if you spend a lot of time traveling, I think the Switch uh, gives you a lot more bang for your buck. Mm, if you yeah. don't travel, it's like, well, why would I buy right. like an underpowered console? just for a handful of exclusives every year. Yeah. I heard it's really good for like airplane and train rides. Yeah. It's very, very helpful. I believe that. Yeah. And then it's cool because not only do you have a really good portable gaming console, but you've got a really good screen that you can like do other stuff on as well. So I'm pretty sure you can... Have they added Netflix yet? I know they've talked about it for a long time. But I don't know. I don't actually have a Switch myself. Okay. Um, I know people who do, uh, but I haven't really picked their brains about right. what kind of functionality they have going for it. Uh, I think they recently discontinued uh, the Netflix function or for the original Wii. Oh. So I'm assuming that they're, you know, moving it up generations, but I can't speak to that for right. sure. I know at the very least they were working on it. Okay. So, um, but yeah, again, just like a really nice way of having something that's a little bit, because it's kind of like, um, kind of like a gaming tablet, you know, yeah. with detachable controllers in a way that makes sense because I can't tell you how many like third-party accessories I've seen for your phone or your iPad or whatever and it's just it's never quite right. And then on top of that, you're still even though you have controllers, you're still gaming on your phone or um 
iPad, and it's just not. It's just it just doesn't work quite the same because even a really high powered phone. I mean, even though the switch is underpowered, it's still better. Yeah, than your significantly phone. better. I think uh, one thing you can say about Nintendo. Uh, the Wii U tablet aside, they make really solid peripherals. Mm-hmm. Um, their GameCube controllers are still some of the best controllers uh, like in terms of feel. Yeah. Um, and they're still, I think they're still producing uh, that style of controller for Nintendo consoles. They, ha- they, they for the Wii, uh, not the, the Nintendo Switch, right? I'm yeah. pretty sure they have. They are. Uh, yeah, for the Switch. So. Mostly because of Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers alone has kept yeah. that controller alive. And they're like, since Smash Brothers demands it, we'll make it compatible with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But that's the one that really pushes for it because it's, it's really hard to play Smash Brothers on any other controller other than a full-fledged controller. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've played Smash on that Wii U gamepad. That was... <laughs> That was interesting, but you know, when it's the only controller around, it's better than not playing at all. So yeah, it's better than playing a first-person shooter on a steering wheel. Oh so. my god! <laughs> <laughs> have you actually done that? I have not. Okay. I've heard stories. Oh. Uh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. the, they have the the steering wheel peripherals for you know Xbox and PlayStation, mm-hmm. and uh, if it's you're out of the controllers, then you know. Or better yet, a uh, a guitar. Pro- I was yeah, wondering, are you able to use the guitar? Yeah, guitar you totally can. Yeah, technically. Wow. You could, you could How can you work. even move like that? Though? You really can't. <laughs> it was a challenge. They have like the D pad or whatever. Yeah. Uh, they don't have like a thumbstick though. No, they don't. Movie. It might end up being the strum bar. <laughs> I thought it might be the strum. You bar. have to like strum for every step. That would be so. The faster you strum, the faster you go. However, I feel like if you like. What are they if you were to, well, what, sorry, uh, when are they going to make a Mad Max video game where you get to play the guy on the back oh, of the, the big <laughs> truck doing that? The Doof Warrior? Yeah. <laughs> it's Come like on. you're playing like a Mad Max game and then all of a sudden it's like, now bust out bust out your Guitar Hero controller because you need to do this right. solo in order to complete this level. Yeah, pump up your team of your war party so that they can do better. I feel about that, honestly. Yeah. I'd play that, yeah. <laughs> Make it happen. Somebody. Anybody. It's the next DLC for the last rock band. <laughs> <laughs> We're taking to the next level. Um, so we've seen the Switch implement. The Switch is in a weird cycle right now where they're kind of like halfway with all the je- so we're not expecting a Nintendo console any soon. I think we've heard rumors about Nintendo having some sort of like um, deluxe version of the Switches, maybe a bit, a bit more beefed up, but still the Switch, you mm-hmm. know? Um, sort of similar to the, the One X or the uh, PlayStation yeah. Pro. Yeah. Kind of an in-between generation. So I've heard stuff like that, but no no actual talks for Nintendo for next gen, and that's not expected. And no one's really clamoring for another one. Everyone's really happy with the Switch, yeah. um, which is great, because people haven't been this happy with Nintendo since the Wii. So. Um, and... What's interesting is that Xbox has never gone into mobile gaming um, at all. <laughs> and PlayStation, they had the PSP and they had the PS Vita. The Vita, by the way, is an excellent console. Yeah. Very, very underutilized. It's it's a real shame that it never got the mainstream attention that it deserves. Because mm-hmm. it, it sucks that... I feel like Sony, with so many things 
could outdo we with the peripherals, but they were just never the innovators in it. So it's like we can do what you do better, but we'll be irrelevant by the time that we come out with it. Like the the PlayStation Move way better than the Wii, but mm-hmm. by the time the Move came out, no one cared about like oh it's kind of like old like and eh, we're not really into motion gaming anymore. And he's yeah. Like, what? But I think, uh, and this is going to tie into a later topic, I think the move is enjoying like a second life uh, it is. because of the VR implementation. I really, really, really appreciate PlayStation for utilizing old hardware and not become and not creating more on proprietary hardware that you would then have to buy because mm-hmm. that's really freaking Apple. It's really freaking annoying, you know. Um, <laughs> Gotta charge my phone. <laughs> I just want to plug in my headphones. <laughs> Sad react. <laughs> Sad react only. Yeah. So, but I think it'll be interesting to see if any consoles decide to do any sort of thing related to the Switch. I hope not. I don't want to see. I want the Switch to be its own thing. I don't think it needs competition. It works very well for what it has, and a lot of the Switch games are not as hardware necessary. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, you don't need a crazy platform to play Mario. No. You know, so... Did, uh, did you pay attention at all to when uh, Nintendo was releasing, like, their Switch cardboard peripherals? Oh, the Nintendo Labo? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was that all about? Oh, man, they... I talked about that on... We did. Yeah. We did have a segment about that, and... I was really critical of it, and I think Wesley was defending it, like thinking it was going to be cool. And I was like, no, it's going to flop. And it wasn't. It wasn't a flop. It was. It got a lot of buzz the first week or two that it was out, mm-hmm. and then no one cared about it yeah. ever since then. And Nintendo has since ever found a reason to make it, um, uh, to make it relevant again. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So it, the, the Labo thing was they. They gave you like these kits that you can make from cardboard. It was like a special cardboard, so it wasn't like they give you like a dumb old cardboard box and like, here's a pattern on it, cut it out and make your things. And it was neat, but it just wasn't sustainable, Mm -hmm. you know? One of the coolest things is that you can make this robot like backpack that had like strings and stuff like that that would go into these like robot hands that would have your Switch controllers. So like they would have these strings where it would basically know when you're pulling and like moving your arms around. Uh, So it'd be kind of like kind of like a cardboard mech kind of thing. And that was really cool. Um, But Again, there's only so many things you can do with that. And then one of the biggest complaints I heard is that it actually took a really long time to put those things together. Uh, I was hearing like four plus hours to put one of these. And it's just like, it's not worth it. It starts to become very unenjoyable. Um, It's not like making a Lego set where building it is the fun part. It's like, no, no, no. You want to finish it so you can put, there's no fun in putting these things together. And the directions were very confusing from what I heard. So that became a big detraction from it. And it's expensive. Yeah. Despite being some special cardboard. How do you like buying cardboard? (laughs) And if you have kids or pets, you know that's going to get beat up. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's just like, I don't care how special that cardboard is. It's going to get beat up real quick. So, yeah. Um, So that was the thing, and they tried. I appreciate them trying. I didn't... I wasn't a huge fan of the idea, but... I didn't want to slam on them too hard for trying something completely new. Because it was. 
And that's what Nintendo does. And I really appreciate from them as a company is that they try stuff that no one else does. Mm -hmm. You know, no one was thinking about the Switch. No one was even asking for the Switch. They gave it to us and like, you want this? Like, you know what? Yeah, I do want this, you know? (laughs) Thank you for telling me. I do want it, yeah. So... Kudos to Nintendo for being clearly, honestly, like as, as much of a PlayStation fan I am, like the most innovative out of all the consoles out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one doing handheld, really, anymore. Yeah. I think it's very, I mentioned this before, but I think it's really interesting how they basically said that we're combining our, because they're not doing like DSs anymore. Like mm-hmm. the Switch is everything. So what they're doing is that anything that was going to be like a DS only game, they're now making to phone games. Those okay. little things you just put on your phone. You know, they've already been doing a lot of touchscreen stuff as it is. Why get a whole separate mobile console when you can just put it on your phone? Yeah. So they've been doing a lot more of those apps for games and then making all their console games portable on the Switch, which is great. We're we're coming up to our first fully-fledged uh, Pokemon game on the Switch, being Sword and Shield. Mm-hmm. So that'll be very interesting. Um, How much do we know about that? Uh, they said a good amount about it. Uh, at uh, they, had, they had a Nintendo Direct telling everyone about it. Um, at E3, they showed us the legendary uh, Pokemon sets in it, and some other uh, random stuff. Um, but then I've also heard recently that there is some development uh, develop problems. Some people are saying that it looks unfinished from the early beta tests. So all right, we'll see. But I mean, I would love for it to be just amazing because I mean, it's Pokemon, and you want this like the fully fledged game to be just as awesome as it was. With because like if this. If we can't have a good fully fledged Pokemon game on the Switch, that's going to actually really hurt the Switch, mm-hmm. you know, or Nintendo going forward. So basically, like a, a Mario or Zelda like Pokemon game? Well, yeah, because we've had um, their first Pokemon games was Pokemon uh, um, Eevee and Pikachu. Okay. Yeah, and that was kind of like they were doing like a half step between their normal fully fledged Pokemon game and Pokemon Go. Yeah. So they're kind of like warming us up to a more serious what we're used to Pokemon game. Because after everyone get on Pokemon Go, which is a very dumbed down version of Pokemon, they kind of have to you know bring us back from that. And then they also had some cool things with Pokemon Go going into. Um, that ties into the the Switch Pokemon game. So, but this will be our first traditional Pokemon game that we've seen on the Switch. It's been a long time coming, and it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. Mm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so we'll see what becomes of the Switch, what how the companies respond. Um, so far, I haven't seen anything from Microsoft looking to respond from that. Um, they at E3 they have their Xbox I don't think it's going to be called this but there is right now it's called Project Scarlet mm-hmm. which is what they're calling their next gen console um, and um, as far as I know I know there's been rumors that Sony has um, played around with some portable stuff which makes more sense since they've done PSP stuff um, but even then I'd rather them just s- stay away from it you know yeah. have you heard anything about uh, Xbox and Nintendo teaming up Yes, they're doing a lot of teaming up when it comes to services. Um, And I see this, which I think is really unfortunate because one of the biggest problems about Xbox is they don't have a lot of exclusives. Mm -hmm. And right now, with the few exclusives that they have, they're just like, hey, Nintendo, want to share? You know? Like, they just had Cuphead recently go out to the Switch, which makes a lot of sense and is really cool, but that was like... Nintendo, like that was Xbox 
most biggest exclusive recently mm-hmm. you know um other than that i mean other than the standard halo forza and gears so i mean you've got thieves sea of thieves that's a good one and i think that uh, you know there's a there's a good community behind that you know it's definitely not as mainstream as it used to be but there's definitely a good following the people behind it are constantly putting out dlc and stuff like that so that's good so that's that's a decent one um sunset overdrive mm-hmm. was a good one but the thing about that is that um the developers ultimately actually switch teams and they're the ones behind the spider-man game mm. um and now making exclusive games for sony well, there so you go. uh other past ones that we've seen this generation Titanfall um, they made the first one exclusive it was like lukewarm and after that they went multi-platform so mm-hmm. also no longer exclusive with them um, and it's just kind of really disappointing because like again I like competition and I, I would want to see exclusives worth buying and then we had uh, Crackdown 3 recently which is good but it's not anything it was really hyped up and it was really drawn out so they really missed their opportune time for the hype and yeah, it was really disappointing. Uh, where it would have been a bigger deal if it came out mm. when it was most hyped up, but they delayed it so much and they talked about it way too early because they're like, "Look, we have an exclusive that everyone's been asking for like four years before it came out." Mm-hmm. And by this time, people just just don't really care. So like, yeah, it's a good game, but no one's talking about it after it's been released. Is the problem, you know? So. Yeah, they, they really need to focus on that. However, they're also being friendly with Nintendo, sharing stuff like that. But then also, you know, um, in response to Google, which I think is what we're going to transfer to next. Uh, well, actually, we'll, we'll talk about that later. I want to talk about something else first. But doing cloud gaming, Xbox and PlayStation have been more teaming up mm. to work on a single like cloud surface that's going to really help stream games. Okay. So a lot of companies are working on specific ventures with each other and hopefully it's for the betterment of everybody and not just like oh everything's the same now because no one wants that so um competition breeds excellence exactly exactly and it's good that there's differences um but yeah so um a big difference right now between the ps4 and the xbox one is that playstation has psvr Mm -hmm. xbox has no VR and VR slowly but surely has becoming more and more relevant um, I think the inclusion of like I think PlayStation really pushing uh, PSVR has really increased the, the want from it across the board mm-hmm. um, making it one of the easiest ways to use VR yeah. um, other competitors you have Oculus Oculus Rift um, and then HTC Vive HTC Vive um, and then Samsung has their mobile one as well um, so those are your main competitors but Microsoft doesn't have a stake in this game. I think that's a big problem because I really see VR as being one of the biggest things in this next generation uh, of gaming. Really? Yeah. I mean, Alex, you've played a, a good amount of VR um, in like the past year now as yeah. we're like having more and more friends that have it and just playing around. VR doesn't seem like something that that's big of a of deal until you try it and then you're like, I'm all about this. Mm. Yeah, I definitely want to keep doing more of it. Um, 
it certainly has limitations because you feel like oh I like to move around in the like you want to actually move around yeah. in it but you can't you're in a living room you're gonna you know fall over or something but it it definitely does help you get into the game a lot more and feel like you are the character as opposed to seeing the screen and seeing that the character is looking through the screen and like, you can look down there your hands there's yeah. whatever you're holding we play a lot of Beat Saber so it's so good it's, yeah. it's one of the best examples of the PlayStation VR you, you feel know? like you're a DJ Jedi basically it's a lot of fun um, <laughs> and it does feel surprisingly real like I think one of the biggest things that shocked me was the walls that come at you because when you're watching it it doesn't seem that threatening but then when you're in there it's like no, like this is gonna this, yeah it's gonna hit me yeah your your mind is like telling you this is an object that's coming for you get out of the way it's not like oh this is an imaginary wall I don't care about it like no like my like natural like brain is just being like yo get out of the way <laughs> now, can you imagine a video game where it's not walls but actually like trucks and stuff going oh my by gosh, and stuff? yeah like, what if it was GTA or yeah, what if it was oh, like uh Sonic, you're running down the hill and the truck's <laughs> right behind you, and you just keep looking back. You're like, well, I'm dead. <laughs> Gotta go fast. Uh, all the times you get wiped out in GTA by a car that drives by at 100 miles an hour, you're just uh, like, well, I go flying through the air now. Yeah, because like you, your first reaction is to, oh, there's a car that's going to hit my legs, jump really high. You're wearing a headset that's tied down, so uh, that's not going to go well. No. Uh, have you tried a VR at all? I have not. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say that. Um... My friend Jeffrey has a had like a just a headset that you stick your phone in, uh, and I glanced through that uh, a couple times. But other than that, I haven't really had a chance. To yeah, test and it that's out. not really. That's more like that's when they have like the double picture on the phone, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's more of like an illusion than actual VR, because actual VR doesn't do that, you know. Right. Um, so and then on top of that, you've also got the audio as well, because that really adds to the immersiveness of it. I can. Um, and because one of the biggest things is that when you go like use these VR headsets, it's just like all you see is the screen. You don't see like edges or right? things like that. Um, and I remember trying it out for the first time and just being really immersed in the. And I didn't have headphones the first time I tried it on, but that was the only thing keeping me from feeling like I'm just totally buying that I'm in this virtual reality. You know, I think it's crazy how you know we've fantasized about like this VR gaming and all these worlds and you know shows that are based off of. Um, and just all of a sudden we went really quick to like getting there you know yeah. um, how VR was basically non-existent like it was, we had it a long time ago mm -hmm. and then it was basically nothing and then immediately it's like oh there's a bunch yeah. of it right now and now it's like it's good you mm -hmm. know um, I remember watching a, it was a music video on YouTube that I didn't realize it had a 360 degree camera or like one of those mm -hmm, cameras where yeah. you're able to look back and forth so I was moving my phone while I was like watching it a little bit and then I saw that it was moving with it I was like that's creepy then I figured out what it was so like that I feel like that's also the next step with VR is like having uh, TV shows and movies like that too like that'd be really difficult yeah but really awesome um, I feel like a really cool step in this would be um, like things like telltale games things of that nature immersing you in those where you are the character mm -hmm. and then you're like experiencing a story that's like controlled um, I feel like that'd be a little bit easier to do than like a TV show or a movie right. while possible I think we're not quite there yet um, so I think that having something 
that's like the halfway point from video game to movie style would be a good step in that direction. Yeah. So that would be really cool, experiencing basically a story where you are the main character and you're doing these things. But um, you also have to know like when too much is too much for yourself. Like, for instance, uh, some of our friends have... A VR headset and they'll play Five Nights at Freddy's. I can't do any sort of horror whatsoever, so putting me in a virtual experience like that will absolutely kill me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they had a pretty uh, significant. Well, they released uh, what was it, Resident Evil Seven? Oh, uh, that had a full VR uh, story mode. Yeah, or you could play through the story mode in VR. Um, They've had a lot of the more serious toned video games that are in VR are short. They're not very expensive and long. And yeah. I get it. It takes a lot to create a VR game. Um, but I think that making those fully-fledged, serious uh, VR games is really what's going to bring VR to the next level. Because right now, a lot of the VR experiences are funny, are entertaining, um, but not as... Not, I think it kind of needs to take the same course as video games as a whole has taken. You know, when video games first started out, there wasn't a, wasn't a lot of whole serious video games. Yeah. Not a lot of horror video games. It was all very Not a lot friendly. of substance. Yeah, just friendly and entertaining, you know? And I think VR is going to take a similar course. You know, when you look at the, the, the most popular VR games, you're looking at Beat Saber, you're looking at Surgeon Simulator, um, you're looking at, um, was it Super Hot, you know? Um, and... I think what's going to be really bringing VR to the next level is having like really heavy thematic experiences where you really feel like you're in a different world. You're not there just to goof around, you know. Um, and I think that, you know, the controls may have to improve with that because that is one of the things that the controls are slightly a bit wonky and they have a lot to improve, but they're at least at the level where they're um, user-friendly. Um, so rather than trying to outpace the hardware that we have right now we're just kind of embracing it with the tone of the kind of funky controls with equally as funky games you know mm -hmm. so like that's what Surgeon Simulator is it's just the craziness of like using these controls and like oh it's so wacky you know and it just like it just plays into the humor of the game mm -hmm. so I the, the best games have really embraced the current technology that we have um, but I think that that's that's not going to last forever. You know, if you really want to make VR an actual established thing that is going to be what everyone wants in the future, you're going to want to have um, these experiences that kind of match the more, like, heavy, immersive experience that we see in normal video game. Mm -hmm. So, um, when, um, when you have... Um, when you when you go to game and you're looking for like story heavy experiences, what do you think um, would be like? What do you look for to experiencing in VR? Um, well, I don't feel like I'm really qualified to mm -hmm. answer this question as someone who hasn't spent. Well, a lot like of just time like in well, just like injury. So basically, let's say in the future, not even the VR right now, but mm -hmm. say in the future, what is your ideal VR experience? You know, I don't know. Um, I think it would probably end up being something like even if it was more serious I think it would have to be shorter mm -hmm. because I'm not sure that I'd be able to function properly in like a really like for extended periods of time in that kind of environment um, I mean it would probably end up being if it, if it was longer it would probably end up being an RPG of some kind yeah um, and that's kind of what or, I was thinking or something yeah. cinematic 
uh, you know? Um, so, like, either, like, a like a 100-hour RPG where you're basically playing your character and you're interacting with NPCs. And, like, if they can get to the point where they can register, like, what you're saying and fit it into, uh, like, a... So rather than having to, like, select an option, you just say it. Kind of like how yeah. Siri will respond to you or stuff like that. Right. And, it, I mean, this is probably a fair ways out because... Mm-hmm even Siri isn't able to like yes. answer all the questions or like formulate a response to like what you're saying um, but yeah so I mean basically what I want is Sword Art Online yeah uh, is, is what it comes down to it's not like, getting trapped though right exactly yeah. uh, being able to fully interact with a virtual environment I think uh, is kind of the ideal where uh, VR is concerned and also being able to interact with other online players yeah I would say, how important is the multiplayer aspect for you do you feel like that's that's something that you definitely want or would you rather a single player experience I would want the option of multiplayer okay. um, I, but I I would want to choose who I interacted with because um, a lot of my ideal multiplayer experiences are very cooperative mm. uh, and you know um, just having like a like I'm not I'm not really sure I, I haven't, haven't had a lot of like super positive uh, multiplayer experiences mm. with people you from. don't know. With people I don't know, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, just what I want, I don't typically get out of it, which is <laughs> just right. like finding people who are super chill and who want the same things out of the game that you do, uh, and that are available at the same times that you are, and that yeah. you get get to just hang out with. Um, I find that a lot of my online experiences are people who are just there to dick around. Um, and that's reflected in their behavior or their choice of username or yeah. what have you. And I just find that aspect of it kind of, uh, I don't know, underwhelming, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I can't imagine that suddenly, you know, transitioning into VR is going to change that all that much. You're still going to have. Uh, people with ridiculous and like obscene usernames running around, <laughs> jumping on NPCs and trying to kill everything in sight. So it's yeah. like, well, it's not really what I'm looking for. Yeah, and if anything, it might get even more annoying if it's in the VR experience because right? like, you still have to look at them. Because then they're physically like in your face. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, do you think that VR could play in the future of D and D? Uh, I think it already does. They they have virtual tabletops um, that are accessible through VR, where hmm. um, you have like a digital uh, representation of what you're looking at, and you have um, like your character sheet on the screen. Right. Like like it's like one of the it's like one of the really intense tables that you see, like D and D tables, mm-hmm. quote unquote, um, that have like like screens on everything and like uh, you're able to access like the the player's handbook through the the options in the in the VR and move your little uh, miniature around and and that sort of thing so like they do have virtual tabletops that are that are like that and you can access them like through just a regular mouse and keyboard computer um, but it is designed for VR specifically mm-hmm. and then you have uh, kind of stand-in uh, not like accurate physical representations of people, but um, you have like people's 
you have like an avatar essentially gotcha. um and i think that could be really beneficial to people who want the dnd experience but live too far away and aren't fully satisfied by like a roll 20 or just like a skype uh sort of scenario mm. I think role-playing in general is going to be a big push for VR because I think that's something you can't really perform as well without VR. Right. You know? Um, sure, we've had that and we've had experiences like that, but I mean, one of the most popular things on VR is VR chat, mm -hmm. you know? And there's really not much to that game other than just picking um, any avatar that you want and just kind of just hanging out with people. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of their entertainment is what you make of it and people just really enjoy doing, like, something that's they couldn't do in real life or be someone that they couldn't be in real life right. and VR is the next step in making that fully realized, you know? Uh, I think we would be remiss in talking about VR if we didn't talk about Ready Player One. Because true. the book specifically, I haven't seen the movie okay. but uh, in the book specifically, you know, you have all these environments that people from all around the world can interact with each other and one of my favorite parts about the book was like the the clubhouses you know like the kind of the the owner like the own spaces that you could decorate as you wanted mm -hmm. uh and that people could enter if they were allowed to and uh it's like your virtual man cave right exactly yeah. and i think that's going to be like once they have something that does that uh i think vr is going to become much more popular uh where people can just hang out uh as yeah like like you were saying like the virtual chat rooms mm -hmm. uh, but like the next evolution of that we see a lot of black mirror episodes mm. based around vr stuff and just virtual reality as yeah. a whole you know yeah i mean i think it it has the potential to take over people's lives not yeah. not like literally but uh, people can get to the point where they'd rather spend time in a virtual reality than the one they already have. So, so it does get to the Ready Player One point almost. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I think that's that'll be very interesting to win because, um, like, a cool thing in Ready Player One is that at the end, like, they made a law that you can only have VR during certain points to basically force people to spend more time in real life. Outside of the simulation, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm wondering if there's a point where VR does something similar to the fact where we now have to create new laws and regulations because of VR mm -hmm. is like taking too much of people's times. Uh, I, don't, I don't anticipate that happening um, just because there are so few regulations on things that you can do already. Mm -hmm. um, I think there are probably going to be age-gated uh, aspects of VR um, yeah. coming, you know, not, not too far in the future. Um, I think there might be, like, uh, certain things that you can't portray in VR. Like, content-wise, I think there are going to be legal restrictions. Um, or if not legal, um, something's going to happen where the, the we'll use, use the U.S. government as an example. The U.S. government is going to say, okay, you VR company, like whatever that ends up being, uh, you have to like regulate yourself or we're going to do it for you. Mm -hmm. So basically what happened to the, the video game industry with the ESRB. Because the ESRB is not like a government 
the the ESRB and the MPAA for movies are not government uh, institutions. They're regulated by the businesses themselves because the government said, "Hey, you guys need to like put a lid on this." Yeah. And, like, <laughs> if you don't figure it out, then we're going to do something about it. And I think that's going to they're going to need their own thing for for VR. That makes sense. I don't think the ESRB is going to cut it. No, they they don't they don't have any. It's so surface level. They're level like because basically you're looking at a lot of those things are for just like protection of minors and like mentally what they can withstand. But now we're talking more uh, psychological stuff mm-hmm. when it comes to VR and health and well being. You know, right. you're looking at actual health risks now because it, it has a greater chance of affecting you than video games or uh, TV or movies do. Yeah, or even you know, books. Just just the aspect of being in virtual reality can make you forget outside surroundings, mm-hmm. and that already is a hazard. Yeah, you know? it puts you at a physical health hazard. Yeah. It's the side of gaming that not a lot of people talk about. <laughs> yeah. It uh, it's not hasn't been that much of an issue. Yeah, uh, so up far until this point. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. I mean, Pokemon Go was a thing for a little while where there was people getting of, run over because yeah. they were looking at their phones. Yeah, kind of. So like that's a, a hazard. The VR will probably get a little more extreme. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, people will stay in their home stuff. It, it helps that at this point you're kind of tethered to your house. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Can you, can you imagine if like VR is just like you just always wearing a VR headset like you go into town and stuff like that but you're just like wearing a VR headset because it's like everything around you is real and it's just like it's like a different skin basically so it's like yeah you're going downtown but it's like a space downtown like I'd yeah. rather be anywhere else uh, but I still need to interact with the world so yeah. here's how this is going to work <laughs> let me get a little more tolerable <laughs> yeah. um one of the the newest pushes in gaming that we've seen recently is um, gaming through the cloud. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of attempts, like with um, PS, uh, PS TV, Now, uh, PS Now, um, and then other. Um, I'm trying to think who else has done it. I know other companies have at least attempted to do it, but um, it's it's definitely met a lot of challenges. As like you need, I think one of the biggest challenges is the latency mm. of like you're streaming a game. And you're having your controller not communicate with the hardware that you have at home. You're having communicate online. Yeah. So that tends to be your bigger problem rather than streaming the game itself. Because mm-hmm. you can basically stream, like, it doesn't take any more bandwidth to stream a g- game as it does to stream um, Netflix. Mm-hmm. You know? So if you can stream Netflix, you're going to be fine streaming a game, you know. Um, obviously with variable qualities, but you still can do it. Yeah your bigger problem becomes with the latency of the controller and how fast it responds to that and that becomes a big problem with certain games you know certain some games it may not be as consequential but like say um when you're already playing a game online Mm -hmm. you're already dealing with a the smallest bit of latency and you add another wall of latency that becomes an even bigger challenge yeah and for certain games like the milliseconds count Mm -hmm. in a major way um one of the biggest things to me that I that's a very obvious factor of it is when I play Rocket League mm-hmm. because when you're all, having all these players interact with the one object if something becomes out of sync it changes 
everything right. because now you've hit the ball differently. Now everyone is like freaking out. I was like, whoa, that didn't, that didn't sink right because I thought the person was there. Now they're there, and it's changed where they've hit the object that I'm also interacting. So like, I see a lot of challenges when it comes to just to like connections. Really important with that because you're all working together with this one object. So you have a lot of these people with varying connections interacting with the same object that's being distributed to all of them. And if one of them isn't in sync, then it adds challenges for everyone, not just that one person. Mm -hmm. So, um, but something interesting that that we're seeing with Google is that Google is going ham on this. Google's decided that they're not only entering the gaming market, but that they believe that cloud gaming is the future. Um, and for them, that makes sense because if anyone can do it, it seems like they're the right company to push it. You know, they've got all the the, the servers that, that would require such a crazy feat. Um, they have uh, Google Fiber in a lot of cities, mm -hmm. uh, which true. provides probably the best internet connection you can uh, get. Yeah. Um, and then um, what's been really interesting is that and this is part of the part that I like about it most. I'm not really sold in the aspect of cloud gaming. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I'm not that big of a fan of it. I don't like, I'm totally fine with having my own console. I don't need to stream all these games. But one thing that they've really thrown in there that no one really saw coming that's really, I think, turning people's heads is the fact that you can stream from any, with Google Stadia, you can stream from any device. Your phone, your tablet, anything that can access internet can play this game. So like any, basically they've said that you can use any screen. Any screen that's connected to the internet, you can play, uh, use for Google Stadia. Wow. Um, and then on top of that, um, they said that, say you're watching a YouTube video or a stream, uh, and they're playing a certain game. Um, using like YouTube because they also on YouTube they're working on new prompts that says would you like to play this game and if you're logged in with Stadia it's just like you just say I want to play this game and you click play and not only does it bring you to that game immediately but it brings you to that exact point that they're playing with that game wow alright so if there's like a level that you're playing say I want to play this level bam click you're playing the game in that level it's like Whoa, like that that level of seamlessness is something that I've never even considered right. before, you know? And um, that's again something that Google is uniquely qualified to offer. It is. Um, that should be a really interesting push because that's something that no other cloud gaming service has provided, nor would it have made sense for them to provide it because they didn't have the capabilities of it. Mm -hmm. But Google being so connected with all these services, they're absolutely capable of it, and it makes it really fit in with how Google's nature of making all their services connect with each other and interact with each other and communicate. So it only makes sense that they would do this. And I just think it's a really amazing feature. And they said that all this stuff is fully operational, fully capable. This isn't like like pre-recorded demos. It's that all this stuff is working today as we are pitching it. And if that's true, that's really impressive. Right. Um, because they're saying that right now you can, um, their their end goal is to be able to stream 4K um, 120 frames per second, which is crazy because right now most consoles don't do A that. lot of them can't, yeah. So, I mean, we'll see with the next gen. I imagine the next gen is going to have a lot more of that. But right now, um, you, you your base consoles don't even do 4K let yeah. alone 120 frames per second. Um, I believe uh, the upgraded versions of the Xbox One and the PS4 Pro uh, will output at 4K. They do, yeah, but your base models don't. Your base models don't. Um, supposedly, I think, I think it's the uh, 
Project Scarlet, uh, the new Xbox, is supposed to go out at 8K. Yes, and I'm pretty sure PlayStation has also said the same thing. PlayStation is supposedly more powerful than Yeah, Xbox that's what I've are. heard. Because it's weird. Xbox has made an official announcement about their console. Yeah. PlayStation has said a lot of stuff about their new console, but has yet to actually name or do an announcement of their new console. We've seen demos mm-hmm. of them showing the the PS5 hardware versus the PS4 hardware. They were using Spider-Man as example, yeah. and how when you would fast travel, it would take you like a good 10 seconds to do this. They played it on the PS5. PS4, they played it on the PS5, and it was instantaneous. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest reason for that is that both both Xbox and PlayStation are switching to solid-state drives. Mm. So it means data can be accessed almost instantaneously compared to your normal disk drives. Right. It kind of begs the question of, like, how expensive are these consoles going to be? And that's always been one of the biggest beneficials of consoles over PCs, is that for the hardware that you get, it's way cheaper than getting that comparison in PC. Mm. So basically what you're looking at at consoles versus PC with hardware specs is that you have highlights with consoles, right? You have like certain points where it's like boom, boom, boom with significant upgrades. Mm -hmm. With PC, it's like a constant line. So it's like PC is constantly like leapfrogging them, right? And then eventually like after a certain time the consoles will be behind enough to where they have to do a new one and then they actually go ahead of your, not of any PC, but of your standard high-end PC. Okay. Um, and then eventually the market catches up to the point where even your normal gaming PC is more powerful than your average like PlayStation 4 or right. Xbox One. And the consoles are able to keep it affordable because they sell the consoles at a loss typically. Yes. Yep. So as far as price-wise go, that's why consoles are so appealing. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, do you think we'll end up in another situation where PS3 was uh, when it first launched, where people just uh, laugh in the, the, the company's faces at their, at the at price. their price tag? Um, as long as it doesn't go over $500. I think that people would be okay with it, because I think we saw 400 for both consoles. Um, uh, I think Xbox One originally pitched 500, and then PlayStation 500. was like 400, boy. <laughs> so, so there, I think uh, they were both slated to go out at uh, 500, and they both had cameras bundled in. Mm-hmm. Um, the Xbox One, or the Xbox One, having uh, what was that called? <sighs> Connect. Yeah. So they had they had the new Connect bundled into it. Um, and they announced, and they I were like they did that. 499 US dollars, and then everybody freaked out, and then uh, Sony quietly like took the camera out of their <laughs> out of their uh, thing and announced their console. Oh, that was such and that just, was such a good history. Xbox's lunch and is continuing to do it for you know however long the generation has been six years. I remember very vividly that whole E3 and being I was I was hyped about it for months because we yeah. all knew that this is when we're going to get all the deets for the next gen consoles and I was so excited and seeing all that happen and just the disaster probably like almost definitely Xbox worst E3 conference ever and having everything about like the the drm issues and sharing games and like the whole and then debacle. talking about tv for half the conference yep. at e3 um yeah and i'm pretty sure the only game they really showed was call of duty like they showed like three games call in total of duty, probably rise as well 
Yeah, they did show, but like the only game they actually went into and was oh, actually okay. talking about was like Call of Duty, which everyone's like, no one cares, <laughs> no one cares. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then PlayStation dropped all the mics, and oh, that was so pleasing. Uh, yeah. Um, E3 is just not that, that same thing anymore, unfortunately. Uh, moment of silence. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, going back to cloud gaming, I think that Google, it's looking like it's going to be successful. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm now past the point of disbelief where I'm like, they're just talking big games. Like mm, I'm starting to get the indication like this thing is like the real deal, yeah. you know? And they're serious about it. And if that's the case, you're you're gonna basically force, especially PlayStation, to respond as they have a similar service, and now it's gonna pale in comparison, yeah. you know, um, because you have to have a certain hardware to play it with. You can only use it with any um, any device that you can plug that little box into, um, or if you just have a PS4. But this, they're just saying, it's like you don't need any of that. Yeah, you know, you um, just get the controller and whatever Google Chromecast, yeah, Magigi or. Or even no, nothing at all, and just yeah. have a, a Google account. Exactly, it's it's insane, and I think that um, it's going to be it's it's weird because it's both more affordable and not because then you're you're constantly paying for it. So like long term, it's more expensive. Short term, it's cheaper. Yeah. No. So it's going to be like a Netflix subscription almost. Yeah, because then I think they're talking about having a gaming service to go with that that works like Netflix. Oh, oh, oh wait. Um, for Stadia, mm -hmm. do you you have a subscription for the console service? Do you have to buy the games on top of that as well? I don't, I'm not entirely sure, and I don't know if they've actually gone into those details a whole lot. Okay, because I feel like I heard that somewhere, and that's kind of a deal breaker, mm -hmm. like, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I wasn't, I'm not super sold on Stadia to begin with, but that's kind of, that seems really shady <laughs> to me, personally. I think that the Google Stadia is something that you really have to, it's more appealing to people who don't already have consoles. For sure. You know? And who aren't tied into an ecosystem already. Exactly. Um, is there any other things that you could think of that cloud gaming could bring, like the just simultaneous switching that we don't that we couldn't imagine with yet? Like, do you think there's any other advantages to cloud gaming? Um, I mean, I'm not really sure. I think because um, for the the Xbox One. The, the big thing about the cloud was it was going to add additional processing power, theoretically. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that ever panned out. I don't I haven't been keeping up on you know how that all works. But uh, aside from that, I don't know. Like aside from having games that can do more, like not just graphically mm -hmm. or performance-wise, but like more happening dynamically in the games because of additional processing power. I don't know that. Uh, I can think of anything, any additional benefits of, mm -hmm. of cloud gaming. Um, I think people with access to decent internet are buying fewer, uh, like, physical games. Yeah. And I think cloud gaming is just a, an additional stepping stone or, like, an additional manifestation of that where you don't even have to download it. You can just play it, like, immediately. Right. Um, I'm not... I'm not sold that it's gonna, like that the infrastructure is gonna be able to support that mm -hmm. because I just don't see that 
I don't see it being good enough for a while. And in some places, like they still don't have high speed internet. So it's like, well, you guys aren't getting this. You guys aren't getting <laughs> like, this. Like remember when the Xbox One was a, uh, first announced? They said that you couldn't play it offline. Right. People, like it was basically a, gr- uh, a brick. They did a quick 180 on that one. I think yeah. later in the day they're like, oh no, no just kidding, <laughs> because the guy who no longer works for Xbox. Um, I went in response to saying, well, what if we want to play the Xbox without internet? And it says, well, we have a wonderful console for that. It's called the Xbox 360. Yeah. And I was like, Ooh. yikes. Not what you want. Yeah. No. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm, yeah, not super sold on cloud gaming. Oh, because um, I was just thinking about how, like, we're trying to push cloud gaming, but we're not 100% sold on just digital games. Mm-hmm. Like, how often, Alex, do you buy digital games over physical games? I don't buy games. <laughs> I think I bought one game last year, and that was Overwatch, but I don't really buy it. No, it was physical, though. Yeah, well, yeah, it was a physical game, you know. I don't even know how to shop online, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, do you, do you prefer... Do you prefer when it comes to like games, movies, all that kind of stuff? Do you prefer having physical media or you have it digital? I like to have the physical thing, just because like you know it, to have it digital, you'd have to like download it specifically to certain things, or like you'd have to have it in the cloud. And then if you can't access your Wi-Fi or anything like that, then you're yeah you're basically done. So I like to have the physical thing mm-hmm. basically because I can know I can pop it off the shelf whenever. I like to have both personally. Um, Both is good. good. So when you buy a Blu-ray, they typically have like a a triple pack. They have Mm. the the DVD, the Blu-ray, and the digital copy. Um, And there's a service called Movies Anywhere um, that can connect to a bunch of different accounts, uh, specifically your Vudu, your Amazon, your YouTube, uh, or your Google, rather, um, where you can rent and buy you know, content anywhere, basically anywhere you can rent or buy content. Uh, and once you input your code, you can watch it on basically anything. Um, and for convenience, I think like, I like that a lot, Mm -hmm. but I still like to have a physical copy of a movie. Um, in terms of games, I'm way more sanguine about, uh, the idea of like a purely digital library, like a, or a catalog. Um, but one of my roommates is like a, like a 100% physical copy uh, like across the board. Like yeah. He does not buy digital games, um, which like I think is kind of silly, but he's like, if the internet goes out, what are you going to do? And I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm probably not going to play video games. <laughs> I'm like, how that goes. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. I just, I'm not really... Uh, like I like I like digital content, but I I like the reassurance often. I, I think it's mostly movies because uh, a lot of the streaming services don't have like consistent enough libraries that I'm willing to not have mm-hmm. access to specific movies. If that makes sense, um, like they rotate through their right. content often enough that it's like, well, what if I want to watch this movie? I just want to make sure I have it on hand whenever. Uh, and just having, you know, the digital copy of it is just, that's gravy. Do you think that, because we've heard so many rumors about this, we heard that it was going to happen this gen, but it's not. Do you think that this gen will be the last generation of consoles that uses discs? Um, it's possible. I'm not sure. Because 
people have been saying for years that they're going to transition over to a, a yeah. digital only future and i think that there's a big enough portion of the uh of the you know gaming population that still buys physical media um that they're not going to want to completely lose out on that um supposedly gamestop is going away um like really? they're they're completely like they're losing money from what I heard is that they're really trying to to brace themselves and to hopefully because they're not looking good right now what they're hoping to do is to survive for this next generation of consoles because that's always a huge boost for them a lot of people go to consoles yeah a lot of people go to GameStop for that stuff so they're looking to survive till then um, and then if they can survive till then then they can look at future opportunities and Mm -hmm. ways to change the company yeah but they've been on a a massive downturn in recent years Uh, like this year especially pretty much um like, what is it? Uh, inversely proportional to the rise of digital uh, yeah. media is like, well, we're not even buying used games anymore. Or like, we're we're barely buying physical games. We're certainly not buying used games because it's cheaper to get, you know, a game on sale mm-hmm. on like the PSN or Xbox uh, or the Xbox Store um, or on Steam. You know, because Steam is like entirely digital like you don't buy physical computer games anymore unless you this is true if you don't have internet um i don't even know where you would go to get like a physical the places that do game. have a selection of pc games very very small yeah it literally like, i think walmart has like 20 pc games yeah at just most. like a, a minuscule yep uh selection um so yeah uh yeah um Crap, I had, I had something over it. I was just thinking, one of the biggest uh, contingency points for me for not wanting a discless um, console is that movies. Yeah. I like having my PlayStation as a Blu-ray player, mm. you know? Uh, buying a Blu-ray p- player is expensive. I don't want to buy another device just to play my Blu-rays. Right. I love that it's totally integrated with my PlayStation. And um, I think that a lot of people who enjoy specific movies prefer to own it on Blu-ray because it's a better quality than streaming, mm-hmm. you know, with bitrate issues. You know, yeah. you can have 4K quality streaming all, all day long, but one of the bigger factors that you're not looking, that people aren't really looking at is compression. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're getting Blu-ray, it's not compressed. Um, it's like, it's 4K with like, it's true like definition, you know, more native. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and not just uh, video, but audio as well mm-hmm. for, for for people who uh, are really passionate about their audio quality you're going to get a, a inferior quality yeah. from streaming absolutely so that thing alone makes me not want to lose the disk drive mm-hmm. you know, like I'm a half and half when it comes to buying games digital and physical yeah. you know I think that the most common time that I buy digital games is when it's an impromptu thing Mm-hmm. I really feel like playing this game, like like with my friends. Yeah. Rather than trying to go out to the store, it's like you know I'll just buy it digital. You know, it's not that big of a deal. For sure. Um, but I try not to because usually it's more expensive that way. Yeah. You know, usually you can it's get cheaper, them cheaper physical. Physically, yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes they do have really good sales online though. Uh, yeah. I got GTA Five, um, a while back for like ten bucks. Yeah. It's like a damn because that game still sells really high. By the yeah, way, yeah, it's like, still in the top ten. Yeah. So, which is pretty nice. Well, fun fact about that: Do you know that GTA Five is the 
highest grossing piece of media of all time. I had heard that. Like, over everything. Yeah, across the board. Yeah. Which is hilarious. That's nuts. So, Rockstar is, Rockstar is doing something right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they've definitely, they've got the formula. Um, but yeah, going back to what you were saying about, uh, uh, like, discless consoles, I think because of the solid straight state drive, they're in a better position now to do a discless console than this they have true. been in the past. Uh, but I don't, like, I would say that not going to be this generation. They might have a discless skew. Like, right, because hey. Xbox One has already done that. They've come out with an Xbox One that doesn't have a disc drive. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay, never mind then. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't so be surprised if they do another that. Because the thing is that they come out came out with that like last year. Mm -hmm. I was like, who's buying another Xbox One at this point? You know? Yeah, if, go, if go you, figure. So if they do that, say they have PS5, yeah. $500 without a disc drive. Four hundred dollars. Yeah, that would be interesting. And I think that that's how they could ultimately justify, depending on those sales, how much. Because that's the thing, right? Is that if you had that option, mm -hmm. would you be willing to give up the disc drive four hundred dollars? I think I would, uh, honestly, because I mean I'm in the position where I have an Xbox One and I have a PS4, so I would rely on those for you know playing movies mm -hmm. and you know uh, and that sort of thing. Um, and I would be I would be pretty like yeah. as long as I lived in a place that had decent internet I would be pretty happy to buy you know and I think digital honestly I think that's content. the sneaky way of getting them to fully transition to just never doing it because like they get like, oh but save money we're, we're not we're not taking away your precious feature it's totally your choice and yeah. when they said that well only 20 people decided 20% of people decided that they wanted the disk drive version it's not really worth it to carry for us. And then at that point, it's really hard to argue that, you yeah. know? It's like, well, you're right. And, and then you also have, it's it's worth more to uh, like developers and the, the console manufacturers to have digital only like storefronts. Yeah, because it's a lot cheaper. Like you save, because they're selling them for the same price. Like, yeah. Like brick and mortar stores are selling them for less than like they pay for so uh or sorry not less than they pay for uh hopefully not then you're in real trouble but um less than we can get it for online right exactly and so um the the developers make so much more money when they sell it digitally like they get they get all of the middleman fees including the base price of the so game. i'm sure they're also driving you know those companies to go discless yeah because then you don't have to worry about printing companies and for sure and stuff. Yeah. Manufacturing the cases and they don't have instruction manuals anymore, but you know distribution. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Shipping and all that, all that sort of thing. Yeah, it's just way more economical. It is. So, well, we'll see if that's what actually comes up. It's one of the things where I wouldn't be surprised. I would hope not, but I mean. I feel like just about everything is going digital these days, so it's only a matter of time. But, you know, I'd love to push it as far off as we can possibly push it, you know? Because yeah. even though, it's kind of a weird thing, though. Even though that's technology, the technology-wise, the future, I'm, I feel kind of, like, all the same, like, mm, but I want my discs. You know, it's like I'm, like, delaying the future because I'm, like, I'm 
for some reason partial to discs. The only argument that you can make is Blu-ray. It's like, well, it's better quality. It's like, oh, okay, you got it. It's like the whole argument between um, like an audio jack between Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, sure, Bluetooth is every way more substantially like technology like forward yeah. than that. But It's more convenient. But the audio in is always going to be better quality. So right. it's like that's that's the one argument it has. And but this if, if, kind if of you want to take that to like the furthest extreme, you're just going to end up like hardwiring like a like a vinyl, you know, like a, a turntable in your in your car. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Yeah, like the audio quality is superior. <laughs> it's like, no, get out of here. Just pl- yeah. plug in your yeah. So it's like, YouTube. at what point do we become those people? You know, exactly. It's like you know, this the disc. This is the real way to play games. Like, you, know, you could have just pressed the button. Yeah, just click it. <laughs> it's fine. All right. Well, thanks for joining me, guys. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see once PlayStation officially not, uh, announces their next console. And they did come out for Xbox. They did say holiday of next year. Mm. So next gen is coming very soon, and we're going to start seeing a lot more updates when it comes to that. So yeah. definitely a lot of changes coming with the, with the Switch coming into play, with VR coming into play, and now with cloud gaming coming into play. I think that... This is a very important turn for gaming, more so than the last generation. I feel like the last generation was all about um, the quality and mm. just like really pushing the multifunctional options of a console. But now we're looking at the many different ways to play games, which is so much more. This is the most, because the last one was less about gaming and more about multi-purposeful like, use of a console. But mm. this one, I feel like everything about next gen that makes next gen involves gaming this time. So it should yeah. be really interesting. Yeah. All right. Hope you didn't feel left out. There. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, maybe this you is so over my head. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining us. Make sure that you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and make sure you check up check out our website at geekkind.tv. And make sure you subscribe to us on our YouTube channel at Geekkind. And if you are watching on YouTube, you can also take us on the go at anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Um, until next time, stay kind, geeks. Inconceivable! And I am burdened with glorious purpose. On June 9th, Marvel Studios' Loki arrives on Disney+. Plus. Loki is insubordinate, stubborn, unpredictable. What did you expect? Marvel Studios' Loki, Wednesday, June 9th on Disney+. Plus. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. 
There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. 